on today's show, has Lamar Stevens put himself in the Cavs starting lineup going forward? We'll chat about that and more on today's show. Thanks for making Locked on Cavs your first listen every day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked on Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. All right, the music you heard on the way in is from our friends at Astro Radio. I'm Chris Manning. Find me on various social media platforms at CWM. Right, you can find Evan Damerol, the proprietor of Rights on Euclid, on on various social media platforms at Am, not Evan, as well. Today's show, segment one, Lamar Stevens as the fifth member of the Cavs starting lineup. Segment two, we're gonna look at Jetty Osman this year versus last year. What's different? What is the same? What he is kind of right now coming off of his two standout performances. And then segment three, we're going to look ahead to Cavs Blazers, the Cavs Wednesday night game, their Thanksgiving Eve game. A programming note for that one, Evan is the night off. I will be doing a solo recap to repay Evan for hovering for me while I uh, was on vacation. So let's start with Lamar Stevens. Well, wait, Chris, Chris, quick question for you. What were you doing this afternoon at First Energy Stadium in your car? Uh, I was not at First Energy Stadium in my car. That's what the police want you to think. Okay, I don't know what you're referring to. I am just... You didn't see the news of somebody who did donuts in the middle of First Energy Stadium's field? No, I've been very just like in my own little bubble today. It's been quite nice. Um, well, let's talk Cavs. Yeah. So Evan, with Lamar Stevens, he has been starting for a couple of games now. It happens before Harris Silver sprains his ankle. They make this change. When this happened, what was said about this? So when they, when they are publicly discussing this, I want to put some context on this for the for the listeners. Mm-hmm. How did the Cavs like discuss this? How did JB Bickerstaff discuss putting Lamar in the starting five? So JB approached Karis about it. He did hint at the fact just to wind it back a little bit after the Cavs lost to the Bucks in Milwaukee um, that they do need to have some type of change. Um, it's just the, a lot of bad juju around this losing streak the Cavs had in general. Just like a lot of just things weren't working. Things just weren't working on the end of the floor. I think just as Chris had smartly pointed out, you're starting to see the defensive issues of playing Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, and Karis LeVert together at the same time. And JB stayed true to his word. He did make a wholesale change to the starting lineup and the bench unit. And... He, Jerry, Jamie shared his insight on it where he thinks it's best to maximize Karis LeVert as a bench scorer because playing alongside Donovan and Darius wasn't going to get him the touches required in order to kind of get him going offensively and maybe make him look a little bit more effective as an offensive threat out there for Cleveland. And more than anything, it's just Lamar Stevens has the ability to defend well. JB said like they like he likes the fact at least that they can kind of switch three through five a little bit when Jared Allen is comfortable defending in space and based on the matchups as well. But it gives them a little bit of versatility just in terms of positional defense and just how they want to go about things. I know for a fact that I think if Dean Wade was available, Dean Wade would be starting over Lamar Stevens. But like Stevens has played well enough up to this point that he had earned minutes in the rotation to begin with. I think he had earned minutes in general, and I think just when you're looking for another answer, clearly is an Isaac Okoro right now. So you turn to Lamar Stevens and see what you have. It's a bigger wing who's more of a four, but is forced to play the three and switch between everybody. And then JB said privately the conversations were good. I think 
uh, Karis Levert just telling JB full stop, like whatever you need to do to help this team win is just like, I think the right mentality to have where like the guys are kind of checking their egos at the door a little bit. Of course, like players do care about their stats at the end of the day at some points in one way or another, but it's an interesting dialogue. It's an interesting way to go about it. And it's been largely effective. The Cavs have won three games in a row since they put Lamar Stevens in the starting lineup. I believe that's a that's not like a full like wholesale way to look at things just because the game against the Hornets was so close. The game against the Heat was such a blowout and the Hawks was kind of a bit of a litmus test and Stevens played well. It's just I'm sure Chris will jump into it a little bit like the, the numbers and the metrics don't necessarily bear out or it just, just, just doesn't match what the eye test is telling you with Stevens out there is like the starting three for the Cavs. But you can tell it has shifted the balance a little bit. And unfortunately, with Levert spraining his ankle, it kind of mitigates the change where you want to get him going more so offensively. But that's, I think, a little bit easier of a bridge to cross once you get him back in the rotation in the swing of things. Because at the end of the day, Karis Levert isn't your A1 priority in getting him going on offense. It's still Mitchell, Garland, Mobley, and Allen. And if you get Karis Levert going before regular season ends, that's great. But I think you want to just make some wholesale changes to maybe balance out the defense a little bit. And also, just more than anything, just try and maybe reset what was a kind of ugly losing skid. What I think works about it is that Lamar, I think, knows how to, like, function. We talked about this on the recap episode last night, but he he will cut, he can he will dart in from the wing, he will, like, I, the defensive stuff is kind of more standard with him, but he knows how to at least try to make himself functional on offense. Mm-hmm. Him being willing to just shoot some threes, it, it means that even though he, like, he's a worse three-point shooter than Okoro, like, teams are at least... Like, he takes out three late in that Charlotte game. Gordon Hayward closed out on him. He take, makes that corner three on Sunday. He's getting closed down. And teams are are, maybe, are not, like, face guarding him and trying to take him out and, and really limit his shot opportunities. I think they still, will, will still feel good if the shot they're giving up was a Lamar Stevens three. But he's at least making them, like, react to a little bit. The tricky thing is I think the spacing just does get cramped. And the Dean Wade part of this will, would be sort of interesting to consider and, or if they go to that maybe when, when Dean is healthy. Statistically, mm-hmm. you know, it is 86 possessions so far with Lamar plus Garland, Mobley, Allen, Mitchell. It's minus seven per 100 possessions, scoring 109.3 per 100, giving up 116.3 per 100. Um, I, I think where I end up with this, seven is that I think it is like fine for the moment. I, I think like Levert wasn't perfect with the starters either. It was negative 4.3 per 100. You know, he kind of has cooled off and obviously has injury now, but he was awesome to start the year. And then it's it's not been the same really since it feels like since that Boston game in some ways. There hasn't been a, a possession this year where it's Dean Wade plus those other four guys. So like we don't know what that looks like, but I would suspect that would look good as well. My ultimate answer is sort of like a cop out. And that's like, I wonder if the starter for the best version of this Cavs team is like maybe he's just still not on the roster is what I kind of oh. come down to. And you're like kind of just patching holes as you go through the season, mm-hmm. right? I don't think that's necessarily a cop-out. I think that's kind of the correct answer. Like, you look at things, um, I believe Michael Scotto of Hoops Hype noted that the Cavs, at least when they had conversations for Jay Crowder, Jetty Osmond is the name that came up. Like, maybe that's an avenue you explore. I'm sure there's other options out there, too, if you're Cleveland. Um, Javante Green is a guy like that I keep kind of looking at just for the Bulls, even though he's been playing pretty good basketball lately. And in our group chat with Danny Cunningham, like you had floated the idea of Royce O'Neal, if the Nets just fall apart at the seams, like there probably are realistic paths and options for the Cavs to maybe find that answer outside of their roster. But if they're looking internally, 
Yeah, Lavert has cooled off quite a bit. I think there's just not a big enough sample size with Stevens in the starting five or just in the lineups in general because he seldom played at the beginning of the season that you really can't like say like, yeah, this is the clear-cut answer for the Cavs in terms of what they need to get and what they need to do in terms of the starting three. And yeah, it, it was it was an issue even before Donovan Mitchell came to town because depending, depending on how you felt about Lonnie marketing, like, yes, it worked for what the Cavs are doing, but is that really like your permanent answer for your starting three or is he more of a four? who is kind of uh, covering himself as a three and being covered by Evan Mobley and Jared Allen defensively. So, like, it was always an issue with the Cavs. It's been an issue since, frankly, LeBron left town for the second time, and it's not an easy one to answer because uh, functional wings that provide what Cleveland needs are a very rare commodity in today's NBA, and they don't come across or become available very often. So the Cavs kind of have to probably work internally, maybe get a little weird with it, and that's why you see guys like... Dean Wade or Lamar Stevens, who are natural fours playing the three, or you don't see guys like Jetty Osmond, who has the size to play the three, but just not the defensive capabilities to play the three to kind of do what J.P. Bickerstaff needs, or like Karis Levert was the answer at first, just because Levert played so well to start the season. Like, there isn't a clear cut answer, and I feel like this isn't going to be the last time we have this conversation about who is the permanent starting answer at the three. And like you said, and I agree with you, it's, it's not a cop-out at the end of the day. I think it, it's the correct answer. The clear-cut answer just isn't on this roster, and the Cavs have to be comfortable with maybe making some shifts if things just aren't working at this current juncture. Yes. All right. After the break, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about the aforementioned Jody Osmond. Maybe on if he's an option to start. I, I'm a little, I think there's some concerns there, but also just what he's been this year versus last as a rotation piece for the Cavs. But Evan, you're first going to tell everyone about our friends at Terrell. You're absolutely correct. Today's episode of Locked on Cavs is brought to you by Turo. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want, from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., U.K., Canada, and it's also coming soon to Australia. Book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. Get a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday, or holiday. Find an affordable economy car if you're on, on a budget and need to just get from A to B. You can even test drive that new electric vehicle you've had your eye on and see how it fits your everyday life before you maybe think about taking over Twitter. Many Twitter hosts can deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance, terms and conditions, and exclusions may apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. All right, back here on the Locked on Cavs podcast. I'm Chris Manning. That's Evan Tamerell. Let's look at Jetty Osmond here. So, Evan, I think to, to just build on what we discussed with Lamar, I think if Jetty were to be someone you look at as starting three, I think there's still the same way, some of the same structural issues you would have with Levert. You're just not adding, like, uh, the shooting is, is nice and kind of differentiates him from some of these other guys, but you'd have some of the defensive concerns that you would have with Levert as well, um, and, and just based on what Jetty has been. But I, he has been, like, obviously a bit up and down. I think he's a, that he's a role player. That's just sort of what role players are. But, like, he's he's having, like, a, like a solid enough year. Um, his usage uh-huh. is a bit down. Makes sense that Miss Mitchell's here and doing a bunch, doing a bunch of stuff. His assists, his turnover numbers are very consistent. 40.6% on three so far on just under four attempts per game. At 38.2 in catch-and-shoot threes, that's a great number. 62.5% on pull-ups. It's only like a pull-up wow. every other... It's a pull-up every other game, so it's not really like meaningful, but like he's been blistering on those. You just expect that to, to crater at some point. 
it's it, I, I mean I think kind of the most interesting part of this is that like even the, we're coming off these two really really good Jetty games where he plays a bunch. He's awesome. He, you know, he plays 37 minutes against Miami. He plays 20, just basically 29 against Atlanta. He played seven minutes the game before in a two overtime game against the Hornets. It's really hard to only play seven minutes in a two overtime game when you've played. And then the game before that, he plays 13. So he, his minutes are a little bit of you ride the wave a little bit. And I think that's just what he kind of has settled into. It's like, you're going to put, if he's, if he's feeling it and you can ride him, it's great. And if he's not, I think you will see JB like pull back on that just a little bit. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I, I called him controlled chaos on Monday's show where that's how you just kind of have to go about it. Like if Chetty Osmond's off, I think he just has a shorter leash compared to years past where like he was the starting three of the year after LeBron left and then you saw him kind of be phased out. Eventually when Isaac Okoro came back and then eventually he was really phased out as like a starting option at the three spot when Larry Marketing came into the fold. And then this year he is kind of scrapping and clawing for his minutes. He did say post game that like he kind of understands like why and JV point blank said to like Jetty wanted to prove that he deserves minutes in this rotation. Like he had to prove to the coaching staff that like he deserves consistent minutes. And I think right now if you're Jetty Osmond, you want to maximize the opportunity you have. And I know we talked on monday show about like his contract options and just like what the Cavs can kind of do with that as well and just like some of the the creativity or flexibility cleveland could possibly have with that in that regard um definitely interesting to kind of think about and break down in the nitty-gritty and the minutiae there but at the end of the day like jetty osman has been good jetty osman has been bad i think we got good jetty osman to start the season i wonder if maybe Donovan Mitchell just kind of playing out of his gore just kind of mitigated some of the other more glaring concerns at times with him out there. And then also the Cavs just kind of have bigger fish to fry at the same time too because they don't need to be placating minutes and shots in the rotation just exclusively for Jetty Osmond. But like you said, if he's able to fit in and not fit out as one LeBron James would say, it's a good thing. But if he's just not working that night or if he's just getting roasted defensively or if he plays with happy feet, which is just something he's played with no matter he, what level of basketball, whether it's NBA or international or EuroLeague, like he's just never been really a great, great defender. Um, you just kind of figure out what you have with him. And like I said, uh, Jackson Flickinger wrote a really good, really good piece about why Osmond is kind of beneficial to this rotation. But at the same time, J.B. Bickerstaff's also a creature of habit, and he has a certain archetype of what he wants and expects from his players, and it's first and foremost guys who just play defense, and he isn't really concerned with three-point shooting or uh, relying heavily on analytics, as you know, he's that war with the computers, as Chris Manning would say, but, um, and this, that, again, no knock on J.B., but there are other guys on this roster that maybe provide more of what JV Bickerstaff is looking for out of a player that Jetty Osmond doesn't. So like when he's off, he's probably more comfortable turning to guys like a Lamar Stevens or maybe not before the season, but before the season or not this season, but before the season, Isaac Coro and just guys like that ilk instead. Yeah. I mean, he's turned to a core of the last couple of games, which is sort of an interesting kind of thing. And I'm curious to see like what this rotation will kind of look like when Rubio comes back because I think if mm-hmm. Rubio is healthy, like Rubio is going to play. And I think like the, the guy he kind of most replaces is Levert. And that's an interesting question in, in oh, a lot of ways. Rubio replaces Levert in the rotation or like takes I'm just, minutes I'm, from Levert? I'm, no, I'm just saying skill set wise. I'm saying like what he does and what he provides. It's like I like he doesn't play like Okoro. He doesn't play like Stevens. He doesn't play like Dean Wade. He doesn't really play like Jetty. What he does is play like big, big as like a guard off of another guard. 
handles the ball and is really smart. And it's like, that's kind of what they've asked Levert to do in some ways, right? Like, yeah, it's just like that. That's where like, I see Rubio sort of like pushing like, okay, like then what happens there? That's that. I don't think it's like a one-to-one minutes replacement. I just see it as like that. He replaces if he's good and like, and he's right. He will, I think kind of like function in what Levert has been asked to do in some ways. And I think that's kind of interesting, but it's interesting. What do you, th- Evan? His this year, he's pl- the Cavs are pl- on. This is seven hundred eight possession. Some of these lineups are very good. Some of them are bad. It's still relatively early in some of this. Cavs are plus sixteen point five per possessions with Jenny on the floor. That's absurd. The, the numbers just don't They're, track sometimes. No, no, they absolutely don't. Like that's like an absurd. That's just like an absurd thing, and it's like mm-hmm. partially because like. There's ones that are like plus fifty one per hundred, plus forty per hundred. There's one that's like minus. There's like one that's twenty possessions. That's like minus plus seventy five per hundred, and like that's just bonkers. He's the power forward in that one. That's like plus seventy five per hundred, and that's just like bonkers. Twenty rebounds. Yeah, but like what what I think he settled into is like they have put in structure with him in terms of Mitchell. I think this was like what Rubio did last year. And like what what I think we hit on a ton with Jetty last year, but I think like like Mitchell plus Garland plus Mobley kind of flashing a little more offensive stuff. I mean Levert's there as well, and then you let Rubio into it. But like even just Mitchell plus Garland and him kind of being like kind of put into a clear role, it's like he is sort of restrained from like going full full Jetty in some ways, and like bad Jetty doesn't really come out as much because like yeah. these like restraints are sort of there for him built in place. No, I saying him going full Jetty is kind of a good way to put it, and I think the Cavs having the offensive pieces where it isn't your one post LeBron where like the Cavs like, okay, our once Kevin Love breaks his foot and George Hill mentally checks out along with Jordan Clarkson, Kyle Corbin, and so many others, um, are really our only offensive options are Colin Sexton and Jenny Osmond, which obviously led to the Cavs getting a top five pick that season. And that's no disrespect to Jenny. I think if you look in the optics scheme of it, like the Cavs were able to use a second round pick to carve out a somewhat rotation player, maybe a guy who doesn't necessarily fit what the Cavs need, but he does fit um, what a lot of teams possibly want and just kind of are looking for in terms of a cheap wing depth option. And if you're Cleveland, maybe you hold on to him a little bit because he is a cheap wing depth option and you, that's something you need, especially when you have such an expensive payroll at the top on your Cleveland. But the numbers, just to go back to that, don't, they, they surprise me still. I think we need more, like it's similar to Lamar Stevens. I think we more, need more tangible playing time with Jetty out there with the bench units or just with certain lineups in general just to figure out like where does he fit, where does he work, where does he doesn't work, and just things like of that ilk as well. And just kind of figure out the next steps from there. And just I want to ask you this because I'm still like mulling over your point about um, like Ricky Rubio coming back. Uh, like right now, I think Jetty and Okoro are just the guys JB's turning to because they're healthy compared to like Kevin Love, and obviously because he like he has a hairline fracture of his right thumb, and yes, he played um the other night against the Hawks, but he really didn't do much of value on the floor when he did play, and um eventually like Dean Wade is gonna come back, like he's probable today for today because it's Wednesday against the Portland Trailblazers, so like Dean Wade's gonna come back. You'd assume he gets eased back into the rotation, but like when this Cavs team is healthy. Um, before we kind of look ahead to Wednesday's game a little bit, um, 
who do you think the starting three is? And do you think like between Okoro, Osman, and Levert, who do you think sees a minute loss when Rubio comes back? Because I think Stevens has carved out a spot, at least in this rotation for the time being. I wouldn't assume that. I, I think Okoro, Osman, and Stevens are all to varying degrees sort of at risk of minutes cut. And I think I, I, I just wonder if this just ends up being Dean Wade's job. I think Dean Wade's the starting three. Like, in my heart of hearts, he just makes a lot of sense because he's a low-usage dude who knows what his role is, and he's going to provide spacing to make Mobley and Allen just function a little bit better. And, like, also just spread pick-and-roll stuff with Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland has just, like, been really functional with Dean Wade this year and something I would encourage the Cavs to continue exploring. They're just, like, they need... You need shooting off of... um. Those two, when you're playing Mobley and, and Allen together, you just need shooting, and like you just shooting's spacing's just at a premium. Like Lamar, I meant to pull this up before. Look at that shot chart. It is just like paint, 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 paint. Like that is what he's doing, and it's like you, he's been very effective at darting in, getting little floaters, cutting in from the corner, getting layups. Yeah, and there's like, like opportunities he's been in the perimeter, like against the Hornets, he had a pretty wide open three point attempt, and he ended up pump faking and driving to the basket, and not getting fouled by Gordon Hayward, and that resulted in the Evan Mobley offensive board and the crazy Darius Garland three. But, like, Levert, similarly to Okoro, has had the opportunities. I just don't think he is fully comfortable taking advantage of all of them. Yeah, and it's like, I, there's only so much... You, Stevens. Yeah. With Stevens, there's also only so much you can massage some of these these kind of realities of his game to kind of figure it out. Okay, we'll be back after this break. Uh, to dive into the Blazers game, we'll talk about the injury report. We'll talk about the Blazers injury report as well because there's a big name that is listed as out for Portland. But first, today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. They've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. BetOnline is always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. For instance, they will have a line up for Cavs Blazers on BetOnline, as well as game props. Right now, the Cavs are also minus 1,800, basically 2-1 to favorite to make the playoffs, and Evan Mobley is plus 750 for Defensive Player of the Year right now. Evan Mobley has the fourth best odds for Defensive Player of the Year at BetOnline, which I found that's bet online. That's where the game starts. Okay, last segment, Locked on Cavs. Run through this injury report for this Wednesday game. As we're recording this, here is the latest uh, injury report. Kevin Love listed as questionable with that right thumb fracture. Ricky Rubio obviously out. Dean Wade is listed as probable, as Evan mentioned. Dylan Windler out. Oh, boy. That's I get sad every time I I think about that. Just what a what a rough run for that guy. Isaiah Mobley and D, Mohamed Diakite are in their G League assignments, so they are out. And Karis Levert is listed as out again with his left ankle sprain on the Portland side. Josh Hart listed as probable. Damian Lillard, Gary Payton the Jr., Gary Payton the second, excuse me, both listed as out. Damian Lillard is out with a right soleus strain. So no Dame. Cavs will be significant favorites, I would imagine, in this game. Portland yeah. Evan comes in at 10 and 7, 17th in the year in point differential, 17th in offense, 13th in defense. It's 
the Lillard part of this, though, just kind of limits some of my interest uh, in what we're going to see here, just because I was curious to see coming off of the, the Atlanta game, the Cavs have two guards to defend there uh, in, in Murray and Trey. You get something a little different, a different flavor, different energy in Dame and Afrini Simons. And I'm, so I'm curious to just see how this looks coming here again. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I am curious to see just like how this functions at the end of the day. I, I maybe we get a better glimpse of just how the Cavs kind of stack up against a Portland team that does have two. I mean, rinse and repeat was Dame and CJ McCollum, but now Dame and Anthony Simons. But um, at least just have two dynamic enough guards that like that provides like a defensive question or competition for the Cavs, and also just kind of like the the Blazers are interesting enough where like. They do have um, Jeremy Grant. They do have Nurk out there. They do have um, a couple of other just interesting guys as well. Like Chauncey Billups is not the best person, but he's a good coach at the end of the day. Like this is an interesting tactical matchup between Bickerstaff and Billups as well. So um, it's going to be a fun game. It is a little bit softer and a little less ex- exciting, excuse me, with Dame not out there for the Blazers, but I think if you're the Cavs, like, you just try to go in, take care of business, and just maybe shift your focus to Friday's game, because you're back in Milwaukee playing the Bucks. Yeah, you get Milwaukee on Friday, and, like, I I wonder if to some degree, like, you may be, like, I could see this as, like, a a Kevin Love rest game. Like, like, honestly, like, I don't know what his hand's feeling like. We don't really have, like, a clear, but he played through it the other night. We'll see. I mean, maybe, like, he takes tonight to see just how it feels if you feel like you can do without him especially if dean wade can play maybe you can afford that um so it's interesting because when jb was asked about it because he went from doubtful to probable in less than 12 hours when the Cavs had first announced that he was going to be at least listed as doubtful because of the thumb injury and then he went to probable against miami and then JB has pressed on it. The Cavs did a walkthrough, like maybe like 35, 40 minutes before JB spoke to the media. And they said, like, they're just going to take Kevin's availability on a day by day basis, just see how the thumb's doing. And, like, I got a good look at him last night um, prior to the Hawks game. And it's just taped up like crazy, like from the base of the thumb all the way up. Yeah. Completely in black. So it's just a process. I think, like, a hairline fracture, maybe it is a pain management thing. Maybe it's just trying to play through it. I think the Cavs at this point, like, are kind of. I wouldn't say desperate, but like they need depth at the four spot because all they really have is Evan Mobley and then a kind of hampered, haggard Kevin Love. And then you have Lamar Stevens kind of backing him up. And then you have Dean Wade who's coming back too, who, scarily enough, uh, had an infection in his knee and was dealing with antibiotics. And Bigger Stuff also said, like, Wade, when he does come back, is going to need to be eased back into things. He's needed to kind of play himself back into shape. Like, practice opportunities are obviously limited. And I think maybe he'll be on a bit of a minutes restriction just as he gets back because it is the same knee he tore a meniscus um, in over the like, last season. So we'll just see how this goes. I think this is going to be another game where you see the Cavs obviously lean super heavily on Mitchell and Garland, but maybe you see them lean more on Evan Mobley at times too just because... Mobley was kind of passive in the first half against the Hawks and then kind of brought it on strong towards the end of the game and was really impactful, obviously, on both ends of the floor in ways you just kind of tra- can't track on the box score. But maybe this is a game where, like, you try to get Evan Mobley going a little bit and kind of maybe build, put some building blocks down to build that confidence up a little bit because he's going to have to handle Giannis on Friday night after the day after Thanksgiving, no less. So, more than anything, I think riding the p- 
positive wave of a win streak heading into Milwaukee. Certainly a lot different than riding the down wave of a losing streak when heading into Milwaukee. And I'm now morbidly curious to see what this Cavs team kind of looks like on Friday, and more than anything, what this Bucks team looks like on Friday, because like obviously that's like circled on everyone's calendar. Like that's going to be a marquee matchup between both teams. But just take care of business against Portland. Um, again, no Dame kind of sucks. Is just as a fan of watching the game and just a fan of watching Dame Lillard play in general. But this should be a pretty winnable game for the Cavs. And you've said overwhelming favorite. I think they're just going to be a favorite in this one. I mean, I yeah. I mean, I think just... a strong favorite. I think I would lean towards more. Like I'd feel comfortable putting money down on the Cavs if I was so inclined to do so. Yeah, I just like no Dame just means like it's on Simons to create like everything, and the Cavs love Garland and Mitchell. Like I think you should like that's that's a game like if you're the Cavs, no Dame, a uh, center. I think in in Nurkic you can attack with with Jared Allen and and Evan Mobley. Like I think you should have. I think this is like a game you should pretty much uh, win. Okay, we're gonna end here. I'll be back tomorrow uh, for Thanksgiving Eve, recapping Cavs and Blazers. Thanks again for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. This episode was produced by Jake Stevens. Now, for your next listen, check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Chris. That's Evan. Thanks again to Jake Stevens. See you tomorrow. <laughs>